do not like Daylight Savings Time. <laughs> oh, it's stupid. I always hated it to begin with, and it gets infinitely worse once you have children, because they do not oh, adjust. Oh, boy. Yep, no beeps. So as soon as I No, took you're out, sounding good. They took out the XLR cable and that microphone and that uh, mixer, and somehow the sound quality improved. So I'm going to have to work yeah. on that. <laughs> Talk it's about good discourse. It just shouldn't happen at a fucking laundromat in Hood River. Okay? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I found a better laundromat at this point. When I sent that GIF of the kingdom, it was literally a GIF of the kingdom imploding. My <laughs> boss, our general manager had a, a message from Neil Olshay in his inbox the next day with screen grabs. I tweeted a GIF of an implosion because the team that had a 25-point lead imploded <laughs> and lost the game. Like it, man. People give Bob Whitson way too much credit. A couple guys brought it up uh, in the chat yesterday, and unfortunately, I had notes here, and then I didn't save them because I was an idiot. Um, oh, and the Warriors are hands down the best defensive team in the NBA right now. Like against one of the easiest schedules, they've had two road games in Oklahoma City. The same Oklahoma City that that beat uh, the the Lakers twice. Come on, the Lakers. Like, Everyone's being the Lakers. The Lakers are fucking old. So All right, I'm recording. Now. Okay, cool. Hit record. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. See, I'm about to do the, the intro, and it's your week. You're doing the intro now. Oh, man. I didn't even prepare. See, do it, doing it live, bro. Improv. Where's your improv skills? 10 days, Chris. Doing it live. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Rose City proudly brings to you its PDX podcast champions of the world, Ten Take Keith Smith, Chris the Bully Burkhart, the Trailcasters. Intro it. done. Nailed it. You gave me an attempt to do it. I did it. I picked on you for being Ten Take Keith Smith. It took me two takes because I messed up. But guess what? Through the magic of editing, no one needs to know that. Or do they? I mean, even if you didn't out yourself, man, I, I got control here. I I'm, I can't not let them know about this. I got to no, earn can. back those credits like we said last week. I gotta Absolutely slowly... you do. <laughs> and for wherever you're listening, all the way over there in Hood River here in Portland, or hopefully some listeners there since on the space uh, Twitter spaces that we hosted, we had hey, hey. listeners from Australia, which was amazing. Right. Like yeah. really, really cool. Then the, like, okay. Time out. The internet, as annoying as it can be, as toxic as it can be, is also extremely wonderful. Because, man, having your, your reach go out literally halfway across the world is pretty damn cool. So, And also pretty yeah. cool that, you know, people in Australia or wherever they're listening can get a chance to jump on a conversation on the old interwebs, on a, the Twitter app, and talk to you know, some like-minded Blazer fans from across the world. It's a it's a pretty cool tool when, when used correctly. So that was pretty fun. But, but Keith, man, uh, I, we got plenty to talk about. I love it. So without further ado, let the host do the hosting, and I'll do the talking when you let me. But what do we got to talk about today? Well, I guess I got to start first with the round of applause, man. That was that was a beautiful, uh, different taste of intro. I'm feeling it. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The Spaces last night was amazing. Thank you. Shout out to everyone who came out. Shout out to those international listeners. We, we've now had, across our first two Spaces, Chris, we've had multiple listeners from multiple different countries on the other side of the world. Not just Australia. I think uh, 
Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to actually quote who it was the other night. I believe there was someone from South Africa that we talked to as well. Very uh, nice. it's, it's, it's excellent. It's very, very cool that not only does Rip City extend worldwide, but now the Trailcaster's umbrella is, is that wide. And let me throw out a quick reminder here that the Trailcaster's next pregame spaces will be next Monday at 6 p.m. That is right before the home game against the Raptors, next Monday at 6 p.m. And also, please check out Seth Morgan hosting the Rip City Wall, the post-game spaces, 15 minutes after every game. Seth Morgan, myself, Brandon, Cam, many others all make an appearance in there. And, you know, some blue check marks as well. Come and tune in. But, like you said, we have a lot to talk about. We have so much to talk about this week that we are just going to skim some of these topics we don't have time to focus on non-blazer stuff but we brought up you know on a, on a previous episode whether it was last week or the week before i don't really know they all blend together now now that the season has started robert sarver down in phoenix well the article i think that's what it was two weeks ago we teased uh baxter holmes article coming out about robert sarver uh, the, uh now the article has been released baxter holmes detailed 17 years of racism misogyny uh, and more by the Sun's owner. Uh, he interviewed 70 different current and former employees. Some of those also former Blazers employees, which we will get to later as far as the tie-in. But we uh, we now have multiple confirmed accounts of Robert Sarver's rampant use of the N-word, uh, talking to employees if he owned them, lots of uh, racist and kind of sexist stuff, some weird things with his wife, which has gone even further. But Chris, I know you want to get in here and get some quick words before I move on. Tell me what you feel about uh, the drama down in Phoenix. Well, first off, let's just say at least the silver lining, uh, at least Neil Olshay is just being outed for being uh, kind of a, a grumpy a-hole, so to speak. Right? Uh, because it's not good. Creating a to toxic work environment is not good. Going on your expletive lace tirades on Dan Dickow for no reason, not good. Still better than being a, a racist a-hole and, and better than being sexist and better than making dick jokes anywhere you go and and pantsing people so yeah pantsing at least, at, at least the neil whole thing is not that bad but the, the whole robert sarver thing like went from bad to worse with his wife here like what what the hell are you thinking sending text messages to people who have who have outed your your husband and telling them how wrong you are and blah 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 and like just being just as rude and condescending as he was like the sarver family has a, a control problem a severe like we are better than you problem like for instance yeah, one of the messages sent to a former employee said this is Penny Sarver. I know a lot of bridges were burned between you and Robert, and you have been very bitter. I want to remind you that real <laughs> lives are at stake here. Also, she's like, uh, is your time in the spotlight that important? If something happens to one of my children, I will hold you and Earl Walt Watson personally Earl Watson. accountable. Now, right. here's the deal. Watson's catching more strays right now. He didn't even do anything. <laughs> and again, Chris, you and I talked about this pre-show a little bit. When, when the report initially came out, or when they were teasing that this this, this report was going to come out, and then if you read the report itself, a lot of Baxter Holmes' actual write-up involves, here's a claim, here's a statement about uh, what happened from a player or employee's perspective, and then I have to have a paragraph in here that says a representative of Robert Sarver has come forward and denied these claims. Basically, the whole article is 
claim, denial, claim, denial, claim, denial. There was one case that you mentioned as far as panting an employee at a public event, which obviously has been documented. He can't deny that, he, so he just had to apologize for it. But everything else, they denied, just down the board denied. And here comes Penny, here comes the wife, just blowing denials out of the water by, just, she, she's incriminating herself with this stuff. Oh, her and her tell, it's, it's a, to like, it's a total admittance of guilt without yes, admitting completely. you're guilty. Like you're obviously in fear of what's going to happen. The best way to not have to deal with the repercussions of this and worry about your family and your children and everybody else is just, again, I've said it how many times on this, this uh, podcast before, don't be a racist asshole. Don't be a sexist <laughs> asshole. Like it's just not simple. that hard. It yeah. shouldn't be that hard. It should not be that hard. But yeah, again, at least, at least Neil Olshay is just, dropping f-bombs and being a jerk <laughs> like it's like is it bad yes like like here's the deal like like, like <laughs> you want to talk about segues here neil olshay is markeith morris giving <laughs> nikola Jokic a hard foul and, and sarver is the whiplash and the brother coming in and like they're both bad but one was definitely worse than the other <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know, I was I, I was gonna give another bad example just to really hammer home how gross and disgusting this cyber stuff is, but I, I can't I can't trample that segue. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So the Jokic Morai beef, if if I, the Morai beef, it's the Morris twins. I, I can't separate one from the other at this point, even though I know they're playing in separate places. Uh, if anyone is not familiar with this, just the other night, uh, <laughs> who was Morris playing for? Who what was the team at this point? Oh, it was uh, uh, Miami. So, yeah, so, so the other night, the Nuggets are playing the Heat. Uh, and yeah, this, this breaks out mid-court. I believe it was late in the game. Morris, it's people are calling it a take foul. This was a hard foul, even for a take foul. He very much ran straight into Jokic's path, the path of a seven-footer with momentum coming up the court across half-court. He gets the elbow in there. He shoved it hard. It wasn't just like a shoulder. Morris is a... Uh, oh, before we get into the breakdown, I guess, yeah. Morris does that. The foul gets called. Jokic runs... Uh, Morris now walking away, and Jokic runs straight through his back, like just trucks him through the back. And like you said, Chris, the whiplash was there. Morris took a while getting off the floor. Then when he did stand up, he had to go back down to the floor. Some of that also could have been a bit performative. I'm not going to give him full credit because he is a dirty player. We know he's done this kind of thing before. We know he's a flopper. Uh, Morris, I'm talking about. Who boy. Uh... There are so many issues here. Take fouls like this, the idea of just putting your body in the way of a seven footer, uh, much less the idea that, that threw a rib into, or an elbow into the ribs and all the rest, th those are not a good idea. That's not how you keep players safe. And honestly, if I'm Jokic, if I'm looking at any sort of, you know, risk to the, my, my future value, I'm going to do everything I can to discourage people from making these moves against me. I'm gonna, it, 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 to me, it's kind of like the, uh, Undercutting shooters thing that we saw the NBA kind of crack down on when Kawhi got um, who who undercut Kawhi that series with that uh, from San Antonio was it Splitter? No, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it wasn't San Antonio. Um, no, it was when he was in San Antonio against it was against the Warriors. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Zaza was it Pachulia? Might have been Zaza uh, since Zaza was Senor. It was Zaza. Yeah, it yeah. was Zaza. Now Zaza so, was dirty, wasn't Zaza? Also the one who 
kicked Mason yeah. Plumley in the plums. So yeah, Pachulia was definitely a dirty player, and this became a really big thing when he undercut Kawhi because it was about the safety of NBA's players, of their talent, of their value. I think these take fouls are the same kind of thing. If you're going to walk straight into the path of Jokic, intending for him to hit you. You're walking in front of a train, and then you're also trying to damage the train when he comes through with the elbow. That's not a safe way to play. And, you know, so I, I hear you that Jokic, it's not excusable either for Jokic to truck someone from behind like that when they're not looking at you. I don't know what you want him to do. I don't know, like, I'm not, you can't expect Jokic to be like, hey, hey, turn around and then hit him. No, the thing, the thing with Jokic, man, is this was, uh, I, I didn't like, personally, I, I didn't like everyone jumping to the whole, like, He's trash. He's been dirty his whole career. He's been the, like, I've watched, I, like, the three teams I've watched the most have obviously been the Blazers. And because of the Blazers and the way they're passive connected, I've watched more Golden State Warrior and Denver Nugget games than just about anyone else. And I've <laughs> yep. never, I've never thought Jokic has come across as a dirty player. He's just, it's, it's something you like, so easy to label the seven foot big guy. But the thing is, he gets irritated, and rightfully so, because as a seven-footer, you're supposed to just be beat up and take it, right? Like, oh, he's seven-foot, it shouldn't matter. Like, I've been in these locker rooms, Keith. You know the amount of times I've seen guys like Nikola Jokic, guys like Yusuf Nurkic, Mason Plumley was every single night in the locker room with a fresh cut on their shoulder, a fresh cut oh, on yeah. their chest, a fresh oh, yeah. bruise on their back. Like, these guys get beat up. So this situation to me was less about... Uh, Markeith Morris in the moment and more just about I have to deal with all these hard fouls every single night and the water can only boil so much unattended before you talk about over. from Jokic's perspective right like as far as yeah from Jokic's perspective yeah. and the thing is though like water can only boil so much unattended before it boils over the side of the pot right and that's what this was that was this Jokic just letting it all out secondly it's 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 extra cheap in my opinion for morris's situation to go in there and give a hard foul and then just turn my back as if and like turn away. what are you gonna yeah. what are you gonna do about it because then you're just setting off this message that i can go give hard fouls left and right, right as long as i right. turn my back to prove that i'm right. not you know i'm in a zone where i'm unsafe or whatever that you're not gonna attack me like i'm just gonna get away with murder every single night so uh it, to it's that, like, it's like i totally it's like, like when you're when you're kids and, and you're like you go and like punch someone or like tag him like okay I'm not playing anymore I'm out you know yeah it's like exactly <laughs> you can 100% think what Nikola Jokic did was dirty and uncalled for like it was it was dirty it was bad but you can also sit here and go it was understandable like it was I can understand why he did that like justified might be a stretch of a word but I can understand where he was coming from, why he did that. And I, Richard Jefferson put it best. Like he, he put out a video where he showed uh, Jokic's foul first and said, this is bad. This shouldn't happen. Like this is bad, but this was also bad. And then showed Mar all, Mar yeah. Morris's foul <laughs> and then went back to, to Jokic's and said, but this would not have happened if this didn't if happen. This hadn't happened. And so yeah. it's just like, and like the thing is how many games have we watched? If you're going out to take that foul to, to stop a fast break or what have you, Give him a bear hug. Give him a, just a swipe right, down on the wrist. Right. Like grab his jersey. Give a sweet, like a simple intentional foul. But to come in and, and kind of lift up and hit him with that shoulder, like That's you were what coming I'm in. You were coming in. I don't think. Like here's the thing. Like I don't think that the foul that Morris put on him was as hard as it looked. But you weren't coming in for a soft foul. Like I don't think you were coming in to injure him. But you were coming in to give him a a, a little bit of a harder foul than normal. Absolutely. I, yeah. 
I don't, I don't know how soft it was though, man. I mean, again, we're talking about Jokic being, he's, I think like 280 pounds and seven feet tall. He may not have reacted much or he may have kept going. I don't know if that means he was soft. I think that just means he was going. But like, yeah. like you're saying too, with these take fouls, and real quick, Define a take foul for me and for, for the layman's out there. Like, I, this is the term that's being kind of thrown around is the, the move that Morris made, the idea that Jokic is coming up half court and you're just trying to stop the play. You're trying to, trying to stop possession, essentially, correct? That's how I interpret it. Like, you're just going to yeah. go, it's, it's an intentional foul. It's an intentional, it's an intentional foul. foul to stop play. Like, it's not necessarily a basketball there. move. No, not a basketball. You're like, I'm going to go foul this guy so that they don't get an easy bucket on the other end. And right. there's no clear path because of how things are. I've said, I. I don't care about clear path. I think the whole clear path, where's a defender, this and that, stupid. I think yeah. anytime you intentionally foul to stop a fast break, that's not defense. I think that should be hit. I think that should be the foul. I think that should be an automatic free throw. And I think it should be possession to the team that had the ball. I know anytime you foul to stop a fast break, Keith, I think that's weak sauce. I hate okay, that. but I, I think most of the time I agree with you. I think there are cases though. Okay, let's say this. Jokic is coming up. If Jokic wasn't a seven-footer that's coming along kind of slowly like this, if he's a point guard and Morris is out there and wants to give a take foul, wants to just stop the play, like you mentioned, put the arms wide. You at the at, at, you're either going to get a bear hug where you're stopping a play, or you're going to be able to make uh, contact where you can you know have it be deemed a foul. Either way, if a ref sees you doing this at half court, I would hope that they would understand. Oh, he's in, trying to get the intentional foul, stopping the play. And it's going to be way safer than this kind of like shouldering into the dude, you know, and kind of the, or, the physical or, element. Or, hear me out, or you put your hands up and you play defense. <laughs> yeah, That's okay. what I'm saying. There's that too. No, you're not wrong. Foul, fouling to stop the fast break because you aren't in a position to play defense on the fast break is stupid. Stupid. Yeah, it means you weren't ready it to play kills, defense. It which kills we're the flow to do. of the game. It, it's and guess what? If you would have just went and played defense, maybe they score, maybe they don't. But you're not having two players get ejected and fined. That's pretty obvious. Okay, so we're twenty. We're about twenty minutes into this. We're gonna get to Blazers in just a second. I want to bring up one more aspect of this thing that just kind of bugged me. We did see the results of this uh, Jokic Morris foul uh, after the fact. Jokic has been suspended one game. Morris was fined $50,000. Jimmy Butler was fined $30,000 for all of his trash talking on the sideline and his stuff afterwards in the locker room. Uh, and the Jokic brothers and the rest of the, the, the Twitter back and forth and social media, not trying to get too deep into that. I just want to say though, Jimmy Butler is such a fake tough guy, dude. There was so much like posing for a photo op about, oh yeah, I'm here, bring your ass outside, bring that out here. And then trying to get the whole team like gathered in the doorway, like trying to shoulder to shoulder in the doorway so they can look like they're like waiting for the nuggets. It's such fake tough guy. Uh, no? I don't know if I would label Jimmy Butler a fake tough guy. Like He talks guys, a lot, No, dude. he's one of the guys in the NBA that I think if they had to throw down, I'd put a lot of money on Jimmy Butler. I mean, I don't know. I'm not I'm not convinced. And I'm not saying that I have to see him fight to be convinced. I'm just saying there is so much performative kind of action going on when he wasn't involved. He's on the sidelines and then the all, the whole photo op afterwards in the in the doorway is just it's so unnecessary. None of that had you that hey, I don't know. I, hey, I'm just not here for I it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's fair, but Dude, if, if if he's on your team like 
if if my like no. even if you look back and it's wrong, if my if guy on my team gets hard fouled, I want the guy on my team that's gonna talk to me and isn't gonna step down. That's what he did. He stepped up. Did like just, performative, yeah. like whatever. I don't think so. I think the dude was pissed his guy got hit. And the whole like we're in the doorway, pretty sure that doorway is literally outside of the Denver or the uh, Miami Heat locker room. Like that the the door that happened to be there is in the middle of a hallway. Like it's it's a door that you can close to basically close off a hallway. It that was not the door to a locker room or the door to the Denver Nugget locker room, as is my memory of Pepsi Center. You come out of your tunnel, you loop around to the visiting locker room, and there's that set of doors right there. It's one of those things that they can easily close off after a game or before a game or whatever to keep the flow of traffic from going to the locker room. So they're literally right outside their locker room door looking at a down a hallway where the denver locker room is probably another hundred feet down the hallway and a photographer happened to be there to to take it they they were not outside like standing outside the denver locker room like it had been portrayed by some people again okay okay, i could be wrong but as is my understanding of the pepsi center having been there multiple times like that's exactly what i thought that picture was when i saw i'm like oh that's right outside the locker room where yeah so I don't know. That just that, it but... just almost makes it more performative to me. The, the idea that they're they're all crowded around and they got the um I can't remember it was one of the team staffers. It wasn't security, but it was like a staff member basically holding them back, like keeping them from advancing further. It just it just seems like a lot of kind of puffing up in the hold me back kind well, of. Well, it's know, because the Pepsi Center doesn't have a secret hallway with a door that connects the locker rooms <laughs> like LA, dude. That's why That's fair. you would have you would have seen Chris Paul and Co. taking that picture if they could have, but they had a secret door, they didn't need it. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. I can I can tell from the tone of that. It's time to move on to Blazers basketball. We talked <laughs> enough around the NBA. Uh, we've we've reached the we've reached the limit. Let's talk about. I mean, because again, we may not have a Robert Robert Sarver up here in Portland, but we've got all Shea Apocalypse. Uh, this situation has been blown up, and honestly, I think it even might be related in some adjacent way to the Robert Sarver stuff. Not as far as the actual issues of what each GM is being or GM versus owner is being accused of, but. We know some of the people interviewed for Robert Sarver's uh, investigation were also former Blazers employees. Jay Triano was one name I've heard mentioned. Uh, and so I think it's entirely possible. I, I have nothing to go on here other than conjecture. I think it's entirely possible that some things could have come out during that that maybe helped ignite this. Uh, I only bring that up because people have asked about the timing. People have, brought, people have said, why is this going on in Portland when there's bigger issues, uh, bigger bigger controversies, I guess, down in, in Phoenix, we, we brought this up on Spaces last night. Or not, we didn't bring this up on Spaces last night, but it was brought up on Spaces last night uh, as far as comparing the two uh, uh, front office situations. And like we said on there, I just want to make it clear, sexism, misogyny, everything going on with Robert Sarver is bad. It does not make what Olshay has done, creating a toxic workplace, making people feel uncomfortable uh, and insecure in their job uh, performances, that is also bad. You, it can have lasting effects. It can uh, affect someone's mental health. And I, I, I think at this point, it's not something we want to be doing to belittle anything uh, in comparison to more serious, more clear-cut issues such as, such as racism, sexism, and the rest yeah. going down down Phoenix. Uh, I've been talking about this for a second, but I'm sure you have some things to say. We also can discuss Dan Dickow's comments. He's come forward to talk about O'Shea. We also, um, I have the article here from uh, Barry Hecker, another foreign Blazers employee that has kind of come forward. He went on the radio and had some very uh, juicy quotes, I guess would be a way to put it. But what's your impression, Chris? We, we heard about this Friday night when the Blazers were facing the Pacers that Olshay uh, was going to be investigated 
for conduct with employees and creating a detrimental workplace is now it's since been expanded to multiple employees uh looking at present and former employees people that have been here under Olshay, and uh it seems like it's only growing there's, there's it's, it's steamrolling here it's not seeming to slow down or go away uh is is that the same impression you've got well, a little bit. I mean, that tends to be the case, right? Once uh, once someone gives someone the leverage and and comes out, then a lot of people who were in fear of the repercussions of coming out, because that's a bad thing here uh, with anything, not just uh, what's going on with Neil Olshay, but just a toxic work environment uh, in general, is that I think people who are on the receiving end of that toxicity are belittled and beat down so much that they, they, they start to almost accept that that's just how it is right. and i gotta figure out a way to mentally deal with that but i'm afraid to come out of because of if i if things are already toxic how toxic are they going to be if i try to out this person or fear of what could happen to you professionally and and you know some of us have some firsthand experience do the math um <laughs> but it, it's it's just it's it's crazy to me um that's going on and and like the dan dickow thing actually to be honest one one thing that rubbed me the the worst about the dan dickow thing was dan dickow uh was a former player obviously obvious uh connections to the northwest um regardless of his blazer connection and did some stuff with the the business side of things and was no longer playing basketball and did what anybody looking for work should do was proactive in sending out a message to someone, do you have any openings or any way I can help or, you know, connections and this and that. And then Neil Olshay calls him and every other NBA player lazy for it, reportedly. Yes. Yeah, so like he, he like lazy. He's lazy. Like all you former players, you're lazy. Like that's not lazy. That's a guy who's no longer an NBA player who needs to do what every now retired NBA player does. And that is, you know, unless. And here's the thing. Dan Dickow. Dan Dickow was not Damian Lillard in the fact that Damian Lillard in the last year of his contract right. in 2024-25 is set to make $54 million in a single season. Dan Dickow <laughs> didn't Jesus. make $54 million his entire career. He's lucky if he made $5.4 million in his career. Like, he that that's just the NBA player he was. So he, like, Damian Lillard's not going to have to, but much many more NBA players than don't retire and then have to go enter the workforce or figure out something to do. And even the players who are well off financially, Keith, there's a lot, like, look at the ones who are very well fi uh, off financially, but end up going to work for a Fox Sports or an ESPN or finding some gig because these, like, all they've ever done their their career is grind, 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 work, 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 and that's just what they want to do is they want to find something to do. So the guy who wants to join the workforce is proactive in trying to see if there's any situations with a with an organization that he holds near and dear and is called lazy for it. Like, dude, like, if you think I didn't email some people within the Blazer organization seeing if there was opportunities after NBC Sports folded, you're crazy. Because I know what my skill set is. I know that there's people there who know what my skill set is. And I know that there could be some crosses where they need what I can offer. So, of course, I'm going to be proactive in trying to find a job. Like, that's right. what this guy was doing. So, the fact that he was called lazy by Neil Olshay right off the bat, I hated it. I thought that was just so lowbrow BS. Like, And Dan Dickow seems like the kind of guy that you would want working for your organization. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah, D Dick Howe, again, for anyone who's not uh, super clear on this guy, former player, then went into, uh, I guess, I think it was player development, right? But he worked with the Blazers, he had connections here, he wanted specifically to work for this 
franchise. Uh, he even, uh, in, in the audio that he, on his podcast, it's the ISO with Dan Dicka. Go and check that out. This audio was, he was very clear. Like you could tell from even just the tone before he really even got into his confessions about it, that he was pissed about this. It did, did not rub him right. And yeah, like you mentioned, Chris, everything he said, this is not what you should expect to be a, a professional response when you're out there just doing what you should do to, to find a job. He wasn't uh, he wasn't using his clout. Like you mentioned the comparison to Damian Lillard. If Lillard decided after his next contract that he was done, he would be one of these guys that if he went and said like, I want a job at ESPN, they're gonna give it to him. Dickow was much more like, like a normal everyday uh, human being like any of us that has to go, when you're looking for the job, you check back in with the employer. You say, hey, let me just follow up on, on this opportunity that we discussed before. And so for him to get berated over that was ridiculous. Um, if you haven't heard the Dan Dickow audio, go and check out the ISO hey! podcast. Uh, it's it's very revealing. As was the uh, the quotes that came out the next day from Barry Hecker. He worked in uh, LA with Clippers as a player personnel director. And word is, he basically told the Blazers that when they were hiring Olshay that this was a bad idea. I have a quote here. Uh, let's see. I called Miller up and said, you guys are barking up the wrong tree hiring this guy. This guy is not qualified, but sells himself as he is, and it will be a problem before it's over. Uh, at one point he said, I don't think he's qualified for the job. He has no idea how to treat people. He's an arrogant SOB. His ego gets in the way of everything, and he's just a bad human being. This is, again, someone who worked with O'Shea before he even started his Blazer tenor, and he called from the beginning to say this was going to be a problem. Uh, it's... Just from this, those two accounts alone, and we know those are not the two only two accounts uh, to be looked at here involving Olshay, it seems pretty damning. And again, this is not damning in the, in the context of sexism or racism or uh, any of the things, but it's still unprofessional. It's something that they should be looking to clear house of, which also brings up some of the other motivation here. It's we If you listen to uh, Mike Richmond over on Locked On, he talks about this very much could be a move by Vulcan where they're trying to get out of the end of Olshay's contract. It saves them some money. Uh, as shallow as that is, it, if that's realistically what it's taking, that's a little disappointing because we've had to put up with him for so long. Fans have been clamoring to try and find a better GM than this guy for, for literally years now, um, since probably what, summer of 2016. But it's, at this point, I don't see how it goes backwards. I don't see how Olshay could come back to Portland uh, and continue the job. At least not after the season. Do you see it going another way? Do you think there's a possibility here uh, that this all just kind of goes away? The silence is because... <laughs> without insider knowledge, Keith, just like looking at how the thing goes, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the situation ends up being a, you know, some sort of reprimand, but not losing the job you know what i mean like mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised it's kind of how it is i mean it's also weird like i feel like you know vulcan reports of you know whatever ownership trying to get out of the contract by saving money the best way to get out of the contract by saving money was not giving an extension two years ago so like point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but just just honestly like i just i just don't I just don't know how it goes. You got to pay, obviously, investigation pending to see how bad some of these situations really truly were. Um, and, and you'll find out from there. But I, I think, like, 
think of think of the workplaces you've been in. Like I think a lot of times people who who act like this, you know, get get their talking to and and get a chance to to write it. You know, can can you be better or whatnot? So I don't know. It's part of me thinks that that is the deal like i would i just i wouldn't be surprised if if that happened i also wouldn't be surprised if if you know that they let him go um do you have to be careful like you have to make sure from a business standpoint like where are you thinking like who who on your team is gonna fill that position in the interim are there people that you can get to come in um to to take over that job right now like you can't you obviously don't have time to wait for the GM cycle, right? At the end of the year for other GMs to get fired and come in, like you're probably giving Danny Ainge a call, like, hey, get in, can you be in here tomorrow? Because the last thing you wanna do is is fire him, which will better obviously better your workplace. And that and before I continue to talk about how it affects uh, the Blazer team that you see on the court. Let's be fair that I personally think that the the workplace environment uh, should come first, and what what a G, what GM position is filled and how you do that should be secondary because uh, employees deserve to be treated with respect before anything. The right. respect to employees and a good workplace is more important than production, no matter who you are, where you are, and I will not waver from that. Um, like I've always said uh, that if I were a manager, my take on management is that happy people make great content, but great content doesn't make happy people. You know, like, huh. like treat it. your people, treat, treat your people right and the rest will follow. So again, to be clear, that should be first. But moving on after that is the last thing they want to do from a basketball perspective is go into the trade deadline with an interim GM or no GM at all, or so like just kind of a, a rudderless ship, so, so to speak. So it's just going to make everything harder on team building in the long run. And this is something we brought up on Spaces was how how does the GM situation uh, affect the team or affect Damian Lillard or affect this and that? Like, so those are things they have to think about too. But again, long story short, I wouldn't be surprised either way it goes. Either way it goes. But but one thing I will do, uh, and you know, Twitter is very on the he needs to go train. Is is just we got to see where this investigation goes because you, you got to yeah. figure out how deep it was. You can't just say okay, someone brought this forward, can the guy. Like you have to do the investigation and figure out what really happened. Um, and if it bears out that he was doing all these things, that's definitely grounds for, for moving on. But I think you could also look outside the box, Keith. I think it'd be a really good opportunity to look at uh, some former players, not just Blazer players, just former players that could come in and have a good eye for talent. And you look at the job that James Jones has done in Phoenix. He's been he's been great. Like oh yeah, definitely. And then here's I mean every GM has swings and misses, but he took and built that team and you know hired the right coaching staff. And Phoenix was a doormat for the longest time. And that they were in, you know, playing in the Western Conference Finals. So it's like, that's yeah, they're they're a good team. They're a good team, and a lot of that goes there under their GM. So I think, like, I'm not saying he's the guy, but like, how good are guys like like a Brandon Roy or another guy that I've always thought had a good eye for talent, like as a former basketball player, even though he's not tied to Portland. But like, I would be giving calls to Manu Ginobili in a minute. Ooh, that guy is one of the. Of all the players I've ever interviewed, that that guy hands down is one of the just 
He's the only guy I've ever talked to and listened to him break down a play from a game. And then I forgot what was going on because I just zoned in on what he was saying. <laughs> like he talked like he was literally in the blazer locker room at halftime. Like he was just so aware of what they were doing. Like guys like that. Awesome. He just Andre Miller is another one, just a smart yeah. basketball player. Like what it, I think it'd be cool to maybe take, take a risk on a, on a guy that former player has a good eye for talent. I mean, you just did it with a coach. You took you took a risk on a former former player as a coach. And the thing was, the biggest thing when it comes to getting trades done and building around Dame, that relationship. And what helped Chauncey Billups instantly build that bridge which, with Dame? Being a former player, being a player and yeah. having that history as a point guard. So I think that would be an interesting place to look. And I think there's a lot of guys you could be able to get to jump in on, a, on short notice. Uh, yeah, I could I could see that. I also know the Blazers have kind of uh, maybe hinted at some of the guys in-house. There's some in-house names, which we don't need to get into. It's a lot of names that people have probably never heard of. But if they do become the GM, you know we'll be talking about that at some point. Let's move on, though. There was a, another piece of news from Chris Haynes. Uh, he had an article about Dame visiting LeBron and Anthony Davis down in L.A. Uh, in the offseason. The article mostly was framed in the way of Dame kind of telling a story about how he looked at what it would be to move, looked at what it would be to, to change teams, get away from uh, Rip City. And in the end, due to influences like family uh, and you know things we've discussed before, like seeing Giannis win and, and kind of staying with his franchise, Dame decided it was best to stay here. The idea of this article, I do think, was meant to be about kind of almost romanticizing Dame's uh, drive to win in Portland. And I'm good with that. It's what I want to believe that he wants. Uh, there was also some funny stuff in here, though, because they, they did detail very specifically about Dame visiting LeBron at LeBron's place in L.A., getting up on the, the rooftop there, uh, looking out basically the city escape, uh, and LeBron saying, this could be what you see after after victories or after games. Kind of trying to, trying to lure him in, more or less, but apparently it's not considered tampering. They said multiple times in the article, this was not tampering. There was not, you know, players... Uh, Trying to, trying to move Dame out of town. And Draymond Green, of course, reads this article. He had lots to say since he got in trouble, uh, I think it was last season, for saying that they need to get Booker out of Phoenix. Get Booker out of Phoenix. Uh, be, who knows, he may have been referring to some of the stuff that we now know about Sarver, but uh, that was considered tampering probably because he said it on a national uh, national TV uh, platform. But I don't know, it's, it's kind of funny. Do you, do you consider what LeBron and AD were doing with Dame tampering? Do you think there's anything to, to say there, or should we just move on to the actual uh, the meat of it? Well, two things here. A, it's absolutely tampering. They, <laughs> yeah. They were there talking about his future in the NBA, where to go, where not to go. B, tampering is a joke. Tampering should not be a thing. Like, <laughs> yes, it should just true. be just just understand that these players talk to each other. They talk to each other on the court. They talk to each other after games. They talk to each other before games. And the, like, I don't, I, I do not think tampering should be a thing. I don't think it is bad for the league in any way for players to talk to each other about what your future is going to be and what this and that. Like, again, let's go back to, to what I just said about Danny Ainge and things like that. Like, this is a business at the end of the day. And if I'm like, I want to be where, where, where I'm appreciated or I want to work in a different location or whatever. Like think about like tampering, I think is dumb. I think it should just be allowed. It's just another random way for the NBA to, to get <laughs> money from some of their people just to, to, you know, look good, I guess. But I think tampering in, in itself is, is a joke that it's not allowed because you're, you're dumb if you think it's not happening. And, you know, Haynes was 
very adamant in the way that article was written to make sure that you know it wasn't tampering it wasn't it's tampering, not it's tampering. tampering. It, it's tampering yeah. It's hundred percent. It's hundred percent tampering. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to really crack down on tampering and like anything, the, okay, well then tell LeBron James to stop tweeting about the NBA. Anytime, anytime he <laughs> tweets about a, a, a an a Anthony Simons dunk or a, a Damian Lillard deep three or something that Jason Tatum did, like that's tampering. You're sitting there, to, like you're praising this guy. You can then so the NBA can be like, well, he's obviously talking him up to try to convince him to go to the Lakers. Like, no, like tampering stupid i hate it these players talk to each other i think it's absolutely healthy i think it's i i dude i think it's dumb i think the, the part about the article that rubbed me the wrong way and i absolutely love chris haynes i have a good relationship with him was i could have done without the description of the the uh like we all know that lebron james is a billionaire but thanks for rubbing it right. in like damian lillard <laughs> arrived and had to be let in through the front gate and then he had to be escorted to the in-house <laughs> elevator for a trip up to the yeah. roof to meet Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the roof. And I'm like, yeah, because we really needed it hammered home that LeBron James is more well-off than all of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know what you're talking about, man. We got an in-house elevator right here. You don't have an in-house elevator at your place? Really? We got three of them. We have one from the garage, one to the backyard. Uh, well, or... I mean, I mean, I have one, don't we all? But my, it's broken down <laughs> right now. And my rooftop <laughs> bar, I had to close for the season because it started to rain. Yeah, I know we all have them, but, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, though. The, the tampering is dumb. The article was interesting. I, I did like how they, the, the moral of the story, essentially, was that Dame and enough of Dame's family are here, and Dame has kind of realized him moving would not just be about him and his future. It would affect many other people's lives. But uh, also, and, yeah. no, I'm sorry. That was completely rude of me. Please continue. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying he... <laughs> He's just pointing out that yeah, he's he's it was it was put a nice shine on oh I want to stay here for the people for the families, uh, and whether that's true or not, it's a nice warm fuzzy feeling that we love in Rip City. What were you going to add to the? What I was gonna say is after that situation, <laughs> why would you want to go play with LeBron? The guy <laughs> lives in a, in in a, it has a gate to his house, an elevator to his rooftop lounge, and instead of sending his personal driver, which I'm sure he has, he made Dame take an Uber. Dame had to take oh an Uber to LeBron's God. house. What, a so, what an asshole. What a total <laughs> douchebag. So, so in, in the middle of the article that reminded us of how well off LeBron James of, Chris Haynes made sure to slide in there that Dame is still one of us because he had to Uber had to, take to LeBron Uber. James' house. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I'm pretty sure they're going to meet again this summer and the article is going to say how Damien Lillard was picked up at LAX and LeBron James's personal helicopter that landed on his personal helipad. And, uh, <laughs> well, and see that conversation though, we've already tried the, the, the tampering of getting Dame down to LA. Obviously that's not going to work. Dame has decided to stay here. Obviously it's not going to work for LeBron down in LA because his retirement village team is just not going to be able to get them anywhere. So what's LeBron going to do next time they meet up? He's going to say, Hey Dame, how do we get me up to Portland? LeBron to Portland. It's happening. It's decided. Chris Haynes has informed us. Hop on, the, uh, hop on the Max and go down to the South Waterfront. Then you take the OHSU tram up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> all public. All public transit. You know, it's, it's uh, accessible. <laughs> Very uh, Portland. And then once right. you get to the final tram stop, there will be a bike labeled LeBron. Oh, God. You will get on that bike. <laughs> then you will take the designated bike paths to my house. We all know LeBron wouldn't take a bike, bike he'd take a golf cart.
Uh, See, but but Manu Ginobili showed up to an event in San Antonio where they were designating a new trail, and he showed up on his bike wearing a helmet. See, Manu go. Ginobili is built for Portland. I'm telling you. Anyway, switching gears here real quick. We had a uh, shout out to our buddy Chris, the other Chris over at Hoop Spaces. Hey! Uh, who again? Hoop Spaces is kind of our our. Twitter Spaces Network when we're doing all these pre-game and post-game chats. Shout out to other Chris. Hey! Shout out to Seth Morgan doing the hey! post-game for every Blazers game. And uh, obviously our pre-games once a week as well. We'll talk about that more later. But Chris, other Chris on Hoop Spaces today, he opened this morning one of his uh, Spaces talks, these nice, awesome live chats that you should join if you haven't yet. He opened with a teaser about Danny Ainge being the next GM in Portland. Uh, I took the bait. I went in there to kind of, you know, hear what they're discussing. Uh, and then Chris is basically talking about panic levels for different teams. He's trying to say that Rip City fans should be panicked right now with the start. We had multiple people in there, other podcasters. Shout out to Nat from Boston. Hey! Uh, runs a great pod there about the Celtics as well. Nat was talking about how Dame needs to get out of Portland. They're trying to really hammer home this same idea that, oh, he's not happy there. The team's not doing well. He's not shooting well. He just needs to find a new home. My response, Chris, I'm, I'm like, other Chris, you're talking about panic level. Why should Portland be panicked? We're right about 500 after a brutal uh, starting schedule, one of the worst starting schedules in the league. Our net rating is significantly better than what it was last year. So again, even if not all the pieces have come together yet, their pieces are coming together. Dame is finally starting to find his shot. And after all this, we might actually be getting rid of old Shea. Blazer fans are not panicked. We're sitting here like... We're, we're, we're on Dame time. We're looking at our watches be like, and wait for it, wait for it. Here we go. I, are, are you with me? Like, is, Are you panicked right now about the season, or do you feel more like Blazers are maybe in, uh, heading the right direction? Yeah, I'm actually definitely not panicked because I think I think uh, that, that road trip hurt. They, they didn't play very well in that little road swing there, but then they got back, rebounded with a nice win over the Pacers, played really well against the Lakers, and then on – Tuesday, Monday night. See, these things get all... Tw no, Tuesday night. See, you throw me off a day, Keith, and <laughs> messes me up. But on uh, on Tuesday night there, um, yeah, they lost to the Clippers, but it was obviously... A, it, was, it was a good performance, much better than the first game against them, and, and they started to look like more of a complete team. I think what you're, I'm starting to see as I watch this team, Keith, is I'm still seeing the mistakes that we've talked about throughout the podcast over the last few weeks but i feel like i'm starting to see like less and less of them during the yes, game and it's, it's exactly. just a matter of, of of continuing to iron them out this team has the talent it's the I, I don't think that is truly deniable like you know if you run it back with the exact same team you're a playoff team that's what they were last year and i still think they're good and, I, and i've said it before i'll say it again because i'm not going to switch my stances i think that they added the proper pieces uh, to fill in some of their voids with Larry Nance Jr. and Cody Zeller. So, yeah, I think you're starting to see the team start to turn the corner. They're playing uh, a little better version of basketball. Again, last night you lost, but it was, it was not a bad game. Like, the, the Clippers are not a bad team. Like, the Clippers are no. a good team, even without Kawhi. So, you know, and Paul George is on a tear. Paul George is just easy to be, you know, the enemy because of the whole bad shot thing and being a poor loser in that series. But dude's a good freaking basketball player. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely room for optimism, and I definitely don't think you're, you're 
reaching full-on panic levels yet. Uh, and then I think you watch what happens with the Neil Olshay situation because I think that that could definitely, as we alluded to earlier, with you know things that the team could do candidate-wise, I think could definitely mix it up. And I think honestly, I think I think that would be the best thing to do, even regardless of a Neil Olshay's performance over the last years or b the situation that he's in uh, with the you know office stuff. And it's just because it's 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 another tie to that Stotts regime. And I think if you can just kind of, I think if you can just do a full lather rinse, but not repeat, like just clean it maybe and start all (laughs) over. You know what I mean? Rinse it out. I think, I think it'd be a good, I think it'd be a good thing. Um, And I think it'd be a good thing for Dame. And I I think it'd be a good thing for the team. And, and I, there's just so much you can, you can say about Neil that I, I, I just definitely think like sometimes it's just the time has come. The time has come. Stotts, I, I love Stotts. He's easily one of the best coaches the Blazers have ever had. I just thought it was it was it was just time. It was time to mix it up and start something new. I think you can do that with the GM as well. So yeah, I definitely to answer your question because what I do on this podcast every single time is stretch it. Like I ask me <laughs> ask you can ask me a yes or no question and I'll still make it ten minutes long. Uh, but no, I definitely think that's what we do. I definitely think there's room for for optimism because here's the thing we've said it preseason when we looked at this early season schedule that we gave them you know that first 20 ish games and you're like you want to be about 500 and that's about where they are right now with the, you know so like why be upset because right now they're playing to the standard that we kind of expected at this point it's as november wraps up and you start turning the calendar to december and as everyone always says right the mbda season doesn't start until christmas day anyway when teams really ramp it up like that's where you really can start to see what you got but i definitely am still optimistic with what i've seen yeah i i'm i'm feeling pretty good about it it's, it's not panic let's uh let's talk about those last games in a little more detail last pod we were uh, I, we didn't get it out before the Cleveland game, before that last road trip ended. But I do want to point out, Chris, when I was editing, I had to throw in a number of buzzers because you were adamant that we were going to beat Cleveland, that we had to beat Cleveland, and it would be horrible if we didn't. And Blazers went out there and did not beat Cleveland. I'm not too worried about that one because right after that we came home, we had the one back-to-back of this uh, early part of the season that was going to be at home. The only back-to-back here in Portland, and we won both of them. We beat the Pacers 110-106 Friday, right before the old Shane News started to bust out. Then we beat the Lakers, uh, the Retirement Village Lakers, the next night 105-90. to And yeah, the the game last night, Clippers win by 8-117-109. It could have gone better, but like you said, we're seeing a lot more of the positives than we were before. The, the games the games that the Blazers are playing are just looking a little more complete. And, you know, we talked before about the concern with Nurkic. Nurk's looking pretty good overall, man. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. He had 15-13 uh, and 13 against the Clippers, 15-17, and 17, I think, against the Lakers. Uh, the one thing that I do want to bring up again, I know we discussed last time that you definitely think it's not a cardio issue for Nurk. But if it's not cardio, I don't know if it's trust from Billups or what. The dude has not played 30 minutes once yet through the first 11 games of the season. Uh, I uh, We don't need him to play a whole lot more, but I worry that if there's some sort of cap here. If, if he's not... Because some of these games, we could have used him for at least a few more minutes. Uh, last night against the Clippers, we he was in for 27. And I don't think he had... Well, he, had, he did uh, uh, accumulate three personal fouls, but... Again, that's pretty good for Nurk overall. Th- uh, only 3,027 minutes. I would have loved to see him for 32. Maybe take some of the pressure off Dame. Maybe take some of the pressure off other uh, playmakers and other other uh, defensive needs. 
Are you concerned at all with the fact that Nurk is uh, basically capped out so far, just under 29 minutes? No. Uh, uh, not uh, no, not at all. I think it's actually probably a good spot to get him to get, maximize those minutes and don't put any more strain on him than you have to at this point. I mean, you never know. I, I, I don't think it's a cardio issue, but I mean, the timetables and stuff like you're still he's still recovering from a fairly significant leg injury, guys. Like yeah, this, yeah, this, this thing. I, I mean, and getting back into this action and getting that strength back, it's, de- it's still going to take time. Like, yeah, you're, you're game ready, but getting that leg back is still going to take time. Um, I mean, look at how Paul George is playing right now. And it took him time to bounce back and, and get, you know, to his normal levels. Right. And obviously the same, same injury that, that, that lower leg snapping in half. So, uh, yeah, I'm not concerned with those minutes. It's about getting, getting the best of those minutes. And over the last few games, he's looked much more like Yusuf Nurkic that we, that we have come to expect. So yeah, it's, yeah, he'll he'll get there. He'll get there. We'll be we'll be just fine. If you go back to 2017-18, where he played 79 full games for the Blazers, his first full season as a starter, he only averaged 26.4 minutes. The, oh, the next, nice yeah, one. 20. Nice uh, find. Yeah, 2018-19, which would end up being the year where he hurt his leg. Prior to the leg uh, leg injury, he played 72 games. He averaged 27.4. So okay, all right. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? I'll take that. that that's actually, 28 minutes is about more. his wheelhouse. So, Okay. I mean, and, and we're okay with that. You think that Nurk playing 28 and then relying on Zeller and Nance for the rest, uh, we're, we're good with that? I think you rely on your best 28 minutes a night from Yusuf Nurkic right now. And when you get towards the end of the season and you're in a playoff hunt and then you get to playoff basketball, that's where you ramp him up to those 30 or the, those 32 minutes a night because he's going to give you the best chance to win over uh, Cody Zeller in those situations. So yeah, I wouldn't be concerned right now because, like I said, he's he's right by uh, his overall career total. So yeah, I, I I think that's right where you want him. He'll continue to to build on that, and and you'll get him where you want to be. Nice. Well, well, thank you once again, Chris. You managed to take me trying to push concerns on you about our uh, two of our core players, and and basically smooth those right out. No big deal at all. <laughs> Up next, we have the road trip continuing tonight. We are in Phoenix, the second night of another back-to-back, as we outlined last time with, with this wonderful schedule the Blazers are playing their way through. How do you feel about Phoenix tonight? We After losing the Clippers last night on the first night of the back-to-back, do you think our guys are going to be tired and beat up and just the, the, the dregs continue, or do you think maybe this one turns it around and we get a, a 2-0 lead on the series with Phoenix? Uh, I think when it comes to back-to-backs, this is not a bad one to have. Like, yes, it's two tough teams back-to-back, but the uh, it's just a skip from L.A. over to Phoenix. It's an easy back-to-back. Short travel, you're gonna, yeah. You're gonna, yeah, short travel is big. You're just going to be able to um, jump in and, and get to the game, and it's not going to affect your routine. It's not going to uh, affect your sleep patterns and any of that. So I think it's a, it's a good situation. You got to think, like, this isn't, like, like I said, it's got, that's what an hour, if that in the air to get there, to get there. Like it's not a, not a long flight. So yeah, you leave right out after that game against the Clippers, head to the airport, boom, get to your hotel. It's a normal routine, sleep, wake up, do it. So, uh, from that situation, um, yeah, not the worst back to back possible. Um, but it's also, I think it's going to be a, a, a good game and a, a good test for, for Phoenix. Cause again, Portland's starting to play a little bit better. The Phoenix is on a run right now. They've won five in a row, but those five games have come against the Cavs, which 
yeah, apparently they're better than I thought. Um, the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Kings. So, yeah, it's going to be a good game for the uh, for the Suns. It's going to be a good game for the Blazers. I definitely think the Blazers can win this. They've already proven that they can. They beat them earlier in the year. Uh, but, again, <laughs> Phoenix is your defending Western Conference champion, so they are no slouch whatsoever so yeah i think it's a i think it's a good game for portland i think they can i think they can win it i think i heard something about uh phoenix maybe missing deandre Aiden for that game so they might be down uh uh down a big man could give nurgle an easier time oh that's right it was mike richmond shout out again to mike over on the locked on blazers pod he's pointing out that phoenix might be missing Aiden for this game then we roll over to houston which has some some younger more offensive oriented bigs then you go to denver nurk's nemesis and Jokic. Uh, and so you you kind of you kind of get a real range of uh, of the centers that we'll be going up against. So maybe this gives us a little more of a chance to see exactly uh, how Nurk is looking, how he's kind of rounding into his form. So yeah, uh, we we're ending the ending one back to back tonight. We play Houston on Friday, at Denver on Sunday, and then that's another back to back from going from Denver to Toronto back here on Monday next Monday. And that listeners will be the next pregame spaces here with Trailcasters. So next Monday. It's a 7 p.m. game as the Blazers come home and host the Raptors. So 6 p.m. on Twitter Spaces. Please come join Chris and I and all of our friends for live chat. Tell us what you feel about the team so far, how you feel about the, the upcoming season. If we want to talk about the, the GM stuff, maybe the latest on all shake, because I don't think that's going to go away in the next week. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to add in here? Do you want to tell the, tell the listeners where to send all their loves and hugs? The loves and hugs go to me and Chris J. Burkhart. <laughs> the hate and backhands go to Keith. That's just facts. And if you have nothing of merit to add, you can send it to at John Doe at gmail.com. Oh, oh, man. Just the, sending out the burner email, too. I like that. And look, I feel bad just... for whoever has that account now. <laughs> I can I can take the, the, the hate and the, the backhands, but I'm just going to say, if you, want, if you want any more sourdough bread, we got to have some loves and hugs coming this way. But... Okay, so only send loves and hugs. So, <laughs> you gotta share those love and hugs. Listeners, send the love, if, send the love to Rip City Keith. Send the hugs to Chris J Burkhart. I'm cool with send that. I like that divide. The hate to, to Chris at Hoop Spaces. He hey. he can take all that after trying to pressure us into panicking about Dame and the team and, and Ainge coming in here. But uh, yeah, send the hate and, randomly on Twitter using hashtag Fire Neil there you go. The yeah. That's all, where all the hate is on Blazer Twitter all, right now. All hate. Organize all the hate under hashtag Fire Me All Shade. That is perfect. Uh, so again, listeners, come and join us on Spaces next Monday, 6 p.m. If you want some sourdough bread, too, share the love. I can send it out to you. I can I can make some rounds, get, get a bunch of loaves and deliveries going here. But in closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you once again, Chris Burkhart. Thank you, Odar Feeds Fat Beats. And thank you, listeners, all of you, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers your Rip City Basketball, and our latest episode. Please come and join us next Monday, 6 p.m., before the Raptors game on Twitter Spaces. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters. See, I was hearing the Mario theme. I wanted to...